Tom Panos, John McGrath, Troy Malcolm, the band's back together, middle of winter, Million Dollar Agent podcast. How are you, gentlemen? Very well. I reckon Troy's a bit cranky. He's given up coffee for the moment, uh, Tommy. So <laughs> I have. He's a bit cranky. No, I'll be, I'll, I'm giving up some trade secrets here. He's given up coffee <laughs> and he's a bit cranky as a result. But, uh, what day? What day is it, Troy? What day? Uh, uh, so this is week two. Week two now. Um, first day was hard, but Tom and John, I, I hello everyone. Um, I I got really caught up in having a coffee when I woke up, a coffee at breakfast, a coffee in my morning meeting, then a coffee in the afternoon, and it was just getting to that point where four coffees a day starts to really add up, and I found. Caffeine levels were just off. So I've kind of detoxed coffee. I will go back to coffee. I love coffee, but just for the time being, um, I'm off. And to all the listeners, I'm actually not angry. John's lying there. He's just trying to poke fun at me, but uh, I'm more decisive. (laughs) But that's okay, Troy. That's right. He's a hardcore coffee drinker too, Tommy, as you know. He's a long black guy. And they're the hardcore ones. Like, you know, I've got to have everything weak with milk and sugar and cream and Whatever, but Troy's hardcore straight into it. But he's still a good man, Tom. He's still a good man. <laughs> so, 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 Johnny, how many coffees do you have a day? Two. Two. So I actually have one hot chocolate. I have one hot chocolate in the morning about 6.30. As I leave for work about 6.15, 6.30, I grab a hot chocolate from the corner, uh, corner, uh, uh, not deli, corner cafe, and cafe. then um, have that on the way to work, and then I sort of have with my first or second meeting, I probably have a coffee, so one chocolate and one coffee. But you're right, Troy. Like, you know, we do have probably too much. It's good to have a break, right, and it's not that hard. So I applaud you, Troy. Oh, I'm, so, I'm, so, 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 Troy, uh, out of curiosity, before we actually move into something useful for the listeners, <laughs> uh, what, what, what prompted you to, like, what prompted you? I mean, because um, a lot of people that are listening to this probably do drink three or four coffees, and they're probably thinking to themselves, What's the big deal if I'm drinking three or four coffees? I'm not, you know, it's not like you're having three or four schooners a day. Um, what prompted you? There, there wasn't anything in particular, to be honest, Tom. It was just one of those things that I woke up one day and I thought, you know what, do I really need to have this coffee at this time of the morning? And then I started thinking, well, what's a challenge that I can put on myself and see if it can last 30 days? So that's kind of where I'm at. I don't know. I'm kind of a little bit silly like that. I'm a little bit crazy. I like doing little challenges to just test myself. But that was uh, that was this month's challenge. So um, will it last? Probably not. But I will go to the 30 days, that's for sure. And then reassess, you know, how I feel. I think you feel a lot better. You get a little bit more clarity when you clear your mind um, without having any kind of caffeine in, you know, in your system for a couple of days. So I feel feel pretty fresh and um, tea is good. I'm actually liking the tea at the moment. All right. Well, I'll have to think of uh, that T2 shop whenever I – there's a pre- if there's a reason I've got to buy you a present, Troy, I'll make sure I'll, I'll go there. Now, <laughs> I'll be back on coffee then for sure. <laughs> now, 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 Matty Steinway rang me up two weeks ago and he wanted to ask me, my view on the best way to handle price in a changing marketplace. And um, he said to me, just sorry to interrupt before you go. What a great case study. You got a guy who writes nearly 10 million a year in business and has consistently been one of the top agents in, in Australasia year on year for the last decade and a half. And he's ringing up coaches, advisors, asking, I just love that, you know. It's like when I, I told the story I got into Ron Pillinger, the late Ron Pillinger's car, and and uh, when he turned it on, Tom Hopkins' tape was coming out. And here's a guy that was the equivalent of Matt Steinway there listening to tapes every day. I just 
I mean, I know we're, we're speaking to the converted here, preaching to the converted, because everyone listening here is clearly into, uh, <laughs> into listening to gibberish. But um, what, what a great what a great thing that Matt Steinway picks up the phone. And, and, you know, you're an amazing resource, Tom, for all of us. But um, I just, all, all kudos eh, to him for that. Keep going. What's the story? He's, what, he's, what he's, he, listen, he's got, the, he's got the traits of most very successful people, and that is curious, right? He doesn't yeah. uh, act to know it all, even though he writes. He's, he's and no ego. Like, no, no ego. ego. A lot of people no are curious, ego. but they sort of preen themselves and oh well, I'm too big to be asking Panos questions, you know. Like Matt, Matt, Matt's got no ego. Uh, dangerous combination. A guy who's highly talented, curious, and no ego. Awesome combination. Okay. So, so he said to me, "Look, um, don't answer it now. I want you to think about it." And he goes, and he goes, "Just shoot a video and put it up on uh, your Instagram, and I'll watch it." And he goes that way. I can show it to the rest of my team as well. And he goes, you get, you, you can get the uh, engagement that you want with your social media. So I shot a video and I actually put in my own, like I do have a view on it. And my view has always been, whether it's a changing market or whether it's a strong market, I just look at myself, whether it's because I'm Greek, whether I'm price conscious, I walk in through David Jones, I look at items. If there's no price item, I actually move on and look at the next item. And there is enough research out there from people that have done it on pricing and behavior of buyers. Realestate.com has done it, um, which actually says that buyers get pissed off when there's no clarity on size of property in terms of bedrooms and price. They, they, there's, there's, there's this factor that annoys them. Now, what's been happening, a lot of agents who have previously used no price in their marketing have started to say hardly anyone's coming to the open for inspection. So they'd been reaching out saying, how are people handling price at the moment, particularly when most likely you're going to be adjusting the price during the campaign to actually sell a property if you're in one of those changing markets. So I'd love to dig deep today and talk about what your views are about how to handle price. Because a lot of the times, at the time of listing a property, the vendor is hoping to get probably a lot more or a little bit more than what it's going to sell for in this current market. What are your views? So, Tommy, just on that REA statistic, um, the latest one that comes out of REA, I checked it only a few weeks ago with uh, with Anthony Michael, our, our account manager, 61% of buyers, and they see a page of listings, 61% will, will pass by the listings that have no price. So if you want to lose over half your buyers, keep putting no price. For me, it's a no-brainer. In any market, having a price up is essential. In a market like this, you know, the buyers will just roll their eyes. They'll say, what does this idiot think? I'm going to, like, chase him around and ring him up and just give me the price, man. And if he doesn't have a price there, the immediate assumption is the thing's overpriced. He's embarrassed about the damn price or he's trying to make it hard or something. But anyway, all of the above. So my view is you must include price. In fact, my coaching session at 7.30 this morning, Troy, that I had in the office and a great agent, dear friend of mine, a great agent, I was coaching him, he's one of our team. Uh, out of 12 listings, um, seven had no price. It had contact agent. I said, man, seriously, like you're just making this too hard. So, Troy, you agree, price essential? I think you do because we talk about it often. 
Yeah, price has to be essential. Um, I know myself, like if, if if we go onto REA all the time and we're looking at properties, I'm scrolling past the ones that don't or have contact agent. And I think because, Tom and John, we've actually trained our buyers out there in the market, given the circumstances we've seen over the past two years, to actually discount those properties because they've been sending inquiries and a lot of agents in our industry, unfortunately, haven't taken the time to respond or engage with those buyers. So we actually trained them to not engage with contact agent, where if you have the price, they're naturally more likely to actually engage with you more and potentially turn up to the open for inspection or book a private appointment. Tommy, I don't know if it's today, this, this podcast or maybe the next, but I know you do want to have a chat about aligning vendor with price and what's some of the dialogue, but I moved to that this morning in the coaching session. I said, let me take a stab in the dark. The reason you don't have price is a number of those vendors, if not all of them, where you've got contact agent, are still at last year's price. Now, this is a very good agent, by the way, but you know, in a period of transition, there's still a lot of good agents that have struggled to bring their, you know, buy their sellers from a few months ago into today's price. And he nodded, he said, Yep, you're right. And I said, okay, so we need to have this conversation. And then we went on and spent 45 minutes talking about dialogue, um, what that looks like. So I think a lot of the reason agents, it's either a bad old habit, and once upon a time they were taught, don't tell the buyer's price, make them ring you. That, that's the old day. That's, that's an outdated, uh, we know the statistics from the leading website say 61% just ignore you. So really that is not the right way to go. So it's, you know, you've got to get your price aligned to where the market is. So then we had a 45-minute role play around it, which was very, very helpful. And we can talk about that later or, ne- or next podcast. But um, I, I just think it's a no-brainer. You, you must have price. You must be getting your buyers through any time. The old days of, oh, you're coming to the open on a Saturday. You've got to be starting to bring the buyers through whenever they want to see it, Tom. And you've got to bring them through. And private appointments will, will knock out open for inspections all the time, in my opinion in a tough market. You want to spend the time with a buyer, preferably one-on-one. I still love opens, but if you can get someone one-on-one, your success rate at closing deals and getting closer to buyers and getting better feedback for your vendor goes through the roof. So, yeah, these are just some small tips, but I think they're important. Price essential. Private appointments better than opens at the moment, but need to be doing both. Uh, And just make it easy to buy from you. John, I think... Yeah, oh, Troy. You're right, so, Troy. Tom, we've heard um, as well throughout our group and, and also the industry recently, speaking to a number of agents, even at ARIC, they're finding the private appointment side is that has a twofold effect. In many circumstances, it gives more time to have better conversations with the buyers. On the other side, it really shows you a vendor that you're taking the time to give that dedicated service that they deserve and not just farming it out and having open for inspections where you're just like kind of taking names and numbers and calling them back on a Monday. So there's twofold effect there. For anyone listening, there's actually dual benefit, not only benefit to the buyers, but a great benefit to the vendors. Yeah, well said, well said. We're going to, next week when we talk about buyer management, which is a really, as, as you said, Troy, it's, it's a topic that uh, needs addressing because for the last two years, I think there has been very little time spent on buyer management because there was fear of missing out. When you've got fear of missing out, the market does the buyer management for you. Um, But I can't help it. When I'm looking at the agents at the moment that are really crushing it in this current market, it appears that they use one of two strategies on pricing. Strategy number one is 
they'll go in and they'll often use, John, the dialogue that you've used in the past, which is to make the vendor feel safe and say, listen, I've got great news for you today. We don't have to actually nail the price. That's that's not our biggest priority, but we do need to nail the process and how we're going to go about them. And what I'm going to do is as soon as we've got this property process, I'm going to get in four or five high-quality buyers through the property and we're going to get some feedback off them. We're going to see what they like and dislike. We're going to see what their opinion of value is. And that's going to help us have a, a clear idea of what is the price that's going to excite the market, right? Yeah. And I heard some really good dialogue. Mr. and Mrs. Vendor, there are two prices. Price number one is the vendor's price and price number two is the buyer excite price. And what I can tell you is the way that we're getting top dollar in real estate at the moment is that we know that people buy with their heart, but they filter with their brain. So we do need to come up with an excite buyer price to make sure that we're getting inquiry, get them into the property and, and then create competition. So one way, gentlemen, that they're doing it is by um, actually not setting a true price until they get four or five, and they get those buyers through in the first three or four days after it's listed. So they can really have a price to launch with. And the second way that they're doing it is they'll actually come up with a price at the listing presentation and they'll set the vendors up and they'll say, listen, we're going to have a go at this. But if we see that we've got no engagement, we're not going to continue and fall into that style zone. We're going to have a quick strategy meeting and talk about what we can do to adjust to get more inquiry. It's either going to be the marketing or it might be the price. So we're going to have to talk about that. So they'll they'll set them up. But it, it I think we, we're all three of us are in agreement Make it easy for the buyer to inquire. Make it easy for the buyer to digest and, and consider this property. And it appears that giving them some sort of indication in the marketing is the most useful and practical thing you can do as an agent in this market. Yeah, that's right, Tom. If you're not, if you're not doing everything possible to make it easy, you are costing your spendors sale price. If you don't have a price on it, you're making it. You're losing sixty percent of your buyers, arguably. If you're not opening it for inspection and making it available for private appointment and spending the time with the buyers, you're costing yourself. If you don't have a pest and building report at the ready or a strata search for strata apartments ready to go, um, paid up in advance, ready for the, you're going to be costing yourself buyers. And this is a game of inches right now. This is not a market where, you know, if I miss the buyer, there'll be plenty more at auction. There'll be 12 bidders. So if two or three of them aren't quite ready, it doesn't matter. I've got a, a lineup of nine or 10. No, no, no. Right now, if you miss a buyer and you miss this window of opportunity in the market, all indications are the market has a bit more to go in terms of a downward downward leak. Call it 5 to 10%, because I think we're down 10, Tommy, about 10 to 12. Yeah, is yeah, yeah. I hear people is 10 to 12% down, and I reckon we're going to have another five, maximum 10, probably not 10, but another 5% to go. So if you miss the opportunity because of any of the above, you're not doing any of these things, you are going to cost your vendor dearly um, in a market that's likely to get worse before it gets better. So, uh, God, back just back to simple process, just have the courage to tell people what to do. We need to get a pest and building report. I really want to open for inspections, but I also want to be able to get access several days during the week if, with your permission to get buyers through when they need to get through. Because if I miss one on a Tuesday, they might not be around. If they buy before Saturday, we might have missed our best buyer. So you just got to be organised and have these conversations at the ready. And it'll be good to talk next week more about buyer management because, you know, we've sort of touched on it to, today, but I think it's really critical. It's really critical now. You know, order takers be gone. 
now is the best market in history for great, experienced, uh, capable agents. It doesn't even have to be experienced, by the way. This could be your first downward cycle or downward leg. I mean, we're telling you what to do. So you don't have to go through it and learn from it. You can actually listen to us, hear what Matt Steinway does, hear what Tom Panos suggests, listen to Troy. We are giving you all the tips. You have to follow them, though. John and Tom, um, great little, John, you mentioned simple um, and a great simple approach that I have seen agents getting back to, which I think a lot of agents fell away from because pricing was hard over the past two years, is they're actually printing out the recent sales that they had at the listing appointment with the vendor to show where they think the property's worth. They're actually having them on display at the open for inspection. So anyone can take those away and justify the price. The second thing is, John, if someone's requesting documentation, a contract for sale, they're actually sending those recent sales along with that contract. So they're making sure those recent sales are in their, in their hand, in their mind, they can do their research, but they're really t- starting to tell that story about how they justify the price that they told the owners and also the guide of the property during the course of the campaign. I know that we've all seen that before, and I know that it's been done 10,000 times owner over, but it's a really important fundamental that some people have moved away from over the past two years that we need to re-implement. Well said. Gold, Troy. Troy's, Troy's come... Troy's come back to the home club and he's come back a bigger and better and a stronger halfback. He's calling the shots. Um, well done, Troy. And by the way, before we leave you today, I can't help but we are going to acknowledge when you told me the news that Alex Jordan from um, McGrath's in Brisbane uh, has hit $10 million for the last uh, financial year. I'm going to listen. There have been a few other agents across the country that not many. There's been a couple I'm aware of that did 10 million. Maybe, maybe another, maybe another two. I think. Right. Phillips and Pallier, I would say. Phillips and Pallier, and I think Collier um, uh, uh, did as well. I think. Now, I just want to say, um, he's a guy that runs a young family that runs his business. In addition to that, he's had uh, some health challenges which required discipline and effort in the way that he lives his life. The way that, you know, uh, what he consumes and his diet is is pretty strict. And um, he has proven to me that good guys come first. Like we always have this view that bad guys come first, the fast talking, high pressure, um, guys that, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, big players, big party players. This guy is an intelligent, sophisticated, more trusted advisor that can commission rep salesperson. And um, he epitomizes what I think. If you, if, you, if you had people entering TAFE to get their license on the first day of real estate, he's the guy that you'd have there and say, this is what you've got to become like. Yeah, could, could be the best real estate salesman in the world perhaps today. Um, I think he's the best in this country uh, when you look at all the factors considered. I'm biased because I've got a man crush on him. He's just such a beautiful human being. But, uh, yeah, no, I agree, Tommy, and, and uh, well said. Um, looking for more, he's had a lot. He's had a number of health challenges, which, you know, he has discussed, you know, semi-publicly, so we're not we're not divulging any secrets there. But, geez, he's never complained once. He's never done anything except stay focused and help his team grow and help his clients. So, yeah, all, uh, all power to AJ and uh, more to come next year going forward. So uh, next week, Tommy, what are we talking about next week? What's our what's on our agenda? We're going, to talk, we're going to talk about buyer management because I think it's, I mean, we spend a lot of time in real estate talking about vendor management. We talk about prospecting. We talk about building your personal brand. Um, 
But I think it's often a topic where you think, oh, well, buyers, what do you do? You market it and they come and look at it. If they want it, they buy it. But I think there's more to it. I think there's the art of doing private inspections. There's the art of qualifying. There's the art of actually scheduling it into your ideal week. You know, I'm actually going to work on buyers. There's the art of having a top 25 buyer list. So I want to spend maybe 20 minutes on our next podcast. So to all our listeners, we'll see you next week.